Hello, welcome back to the Court Sense Podcast. I'm your host, Brian McInnes, and today I welcome on a former University of Hawaii basketball player and a current staff member, all rolled into one, in the form of team graduate manager Gibson Johnson. I'm thrilled to have on Old Man Swag, as he was dubbed back in his two Manoa seasons for his undersized but crafty post-play, to talk about his past and the team's present. It's great timing with the college hoop season slated to start within two weeks against the still-to-be-announced opening opponent for the Rainbow Warriors. But meanwhile, there have been some recent and relevant headlines for UH. Today, it was just reported by Ferd Lewis in the Honolulu Star Advertiser that the Stan Sheriff Center will have a new official name. Bank of Hawaii purchased the naming rights for the arena for UH basketball and volleyball for the price of $5 million over a 10-year period. The new name is a mouthful. The Simplify Arena by Bank of Hawaii at Stan Sheriff Center, according to Lewis. It's going to take a little while to get used to saying that, if that is indeed the final title. Also, the Big West basketball preseason polls were announced over the last 48 hours. The UH men were tabbed fourth among 10 teams, and that's not counting Division I transitional program UC San Diego, while the UH women were third and fifth, respectively, in the media and coaches' polls. The recent league powers, UC Irvine on the men's side and UC Davis on the women's, were picked convincingly to win. No UH players were picked on the preseason all-conference teams individually, but some of that is already outdated because today, Cal State Northridge just announced its women's program will not compete for the entire 2020-21 season because about half the team opted out due to COVID concerns. So it will be very interesting to see where things go from here. All right, well, we've kept the guests waiting long enough. Here we go with Gibson Johnson. Check out Mike and Kara at Nokooi Automotive in Kalihi for all your vehicle repairs and maintenance needs. Quick turnaround, affordable, honest, and ASE certified. Call or text 842-6453 to schedule an appointment today. That's 842-MIKE or email nokaoiauto at gmail.com. The best part? Mention the Court Sense podcast for a 10% discount. All right, Gibson Johnson. Old man swag, graduate manager for the University of Hawaii men's basketball team. Welcome. And first off, man, how have you been during this uh, strange year? Oh, man, it has been a strange year, but I've uh, been really well. I've been doing great. Um, you know, like talking to you, having my kids has been a huge blessing. It's definitely life changing, but um, it's been awesome. We're we're working through it. There's a lot of uh, hurdles we're going through, and just like everybody else, you know, we're this isn't affecting just one group. It's the whole community, so we're working through it. Well, yeah, man, congratulations on the birth of your first child, Kai, your your son back in, it was May, right? He's, uh, yeah. he's right at the six-month mark right now. Yeah, May 17th. Uh, we were lucky because he was born just after they – started allowing the father in the birth room like i think there was like a two-week period where they weren't even letting oh, wow dads in and i was like if that happens to me i i might i don't know i i wouldn't have been able to be held out so that, that would have been real tough i didn't know that was a thing i mean yeah wow that's amazing i think it was in there for like one or two weeks and then they got so much pushback that they just 
decided to change it back. Well, I'm glad I'm glad he's doing well. You guys as a family are doing well. It's been, I guess, going into your second year now, Gibson, right, of, of being a graduate manager for for your alma mater, your your college uh, hoops team, of which you are a member as a player only a few years ago. Um, so we are right now at just, I think, exactly two weeks removed from the, the new start of college hoops season, November 25th. Uh, yeah. We're recording this on Wednesday. I think the, the Big West preseason polls are supposed to come out uh, tomorrow, tomorrow morning. So under normal circumstances, everything would be underway right now. You guys would be playing games. I think the, the original start to the season was, what, supposed to be November 11th? Something yeah. along those lines? Um, it was either the 9th or the 11th. Okay. Um, well, given how abnormal everything is, in your, in your viewpoint, in your experience, Gibson, where are things right now with uh, the UH men's basketball team? Man, that's a, that's a loaded question, you know, because where are we right now compared to other years? Obviously, we're very far behind. But that being said, like, that, that's a given just due to all the hurdles that we've had to jump and all the things that we've been going through. But, like, uh, that being said, like, I think that we're doing really well with the, under the circumstances. I think the guys have had a uh, really good attitude towards it and coaches have been a, a little more creative in uh, finding ways to get our guys ready for the season. So how much, I guess, have the guys been able to do? It's, you know, it's a, it's a team that's pretty heavily overhauled from, from last year. Basically, like, eight new scholarship players on the team, if you include Junior Madut, who, you know, was a member of the team last year as a practice player but didn't actually get on the floor. So um, you would want as much practice time as you could for a group of new guys like that, right? So yeah. um, how have you kind of maybe seen them coming together and how much have they been able to do lately? You know, in Junior's situation, having his uh, year last year where he was able to practice with the team, I think, really helped him. Um, but, as I mean, I, I've played on a team that had a massive turnaround as well. I, I think we had the biggest turnaround in the country that year That uh, after we won the tournament. And then sure, uh, I, I came in that following year and pretty much everyone had left. We, we, I'm pretty sure Sharif was our – uh, leading returner with like three minutes a game. Yeah. So it, it was it was a definitely a crazy situation then, and there's no different now. But I I, I got to give a shout out to the guys. Honestly, I think they're picking it up really quick. Um, obviously, we're we're just doing everything we can and um, kind of pushing the limit in order to be able to to get in the gym and teach these guys. You know, using Zoom sessions and everything that we can do in order to get better and catch up that we've been doing. It sounds like you guys have just been able to get some, some five on fives going in the last few days. Yeah. Yeah. It's been fun. I mean, what a crazy, I don't think I ever went in my life eight months without five on five basketball. So to, for, for these guys, it, I can't even imagine being a player in their situation, but uh, kudos to them. They honestly have had a really good attitude about it. And uh, we've just been, keeping our minds right, working forward. Gibson, uh, one guy who was of enormous importance on the floor for you guys the last few years was, you know, Drew Bugs, of course, a guy you played with uh, in your, you know, your days, uh, the 27-17-18 uh, season, as well as the 
2016-17 season, right? Uh, yeah. Although I think he uh, um, missed out on that that first year. Did yeah, he redshirt yeah. that year? I think My junior year was his redshirt freshman year. Right. So. Right. So, uh, what what do you think things will be like without him there, Gibson? I mean, seeing firsthand what he did as a teammate of yours, and then and then after that, um, as important as that role is that he had the, the point guard position, how do you see that coming together right now? Yeah, um, I mean, obviously, when you lose a guy like Drew who uh, sees the floor so well, he's been our floor general for a while now. Um, so it obviously has a big impact, but um, the guards that we've brought in and um, with Cam coming back, uh, they've actually picked it up really well. I'm bummed because these young guards could have used learning a year underneath Drew Bugs, you know, like just seeing how he worked and operated. Um, it would do them a lot of good, but that's what the film is for, right? And uh, the, these young guards like Bawali Bells and Javon McClanahan and uh, Noel Coleman, they're all taking it on. They're, we have very competitive practices with a lot of depth. The guys are challenging for spots. So, I mean, obviously Drew's a, losing Drew is uh, tough, but I think I like where we're at moving forward. Well, Gibson, how about the what, what you know or what, what you can say of the, I guess, the non-conference schedule, which you guys had, you know, released back when the season was supposed to come out at its normal time. You were one of the first schools in Division One this year to to release your full non-conference schedule, you know, that goes haywire. Uh, the Big West has since put out it's the full conference 20-game schedule, which is a little different this year, and I'll ask you about that in a minute. But, um, yeah, I mean, since we're, you know, we're two weeks out, like what can you say about the, the new non-conference schedule uh, being that, it, as I said, we're two weeks away, and uh, there, I don't think there's any Diamond Head Classic this year. Um, what, what can fans expect from, from how that might look? Yeah, well, if you want to talk about jumping through hurdles, uh, Jesse Nakanishi and Coach Gannat have definitely been jumping through hurdles as far as uh, the scheduling goes. I, I would comment on something, but the truth is, is like everything's so up in the air this year that you never know. Like They're working their best and nothing, nothing's finalized, but uh, – the plans have changed so quickly this year. I feel like every single day we're waking up to news about something we can or can't do that day. So, uh, Well, Gibson, quick follow-up to that. What do you think about the prospect that you guys might have to, you know, play a good number of those games on the mainland, or does it look like you actually can get some teams to come out here? Um, you know, I, I really – I don't even think I can touch on it just because – of the situation that we're in right now. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't have a whole lot of info for you on scheduling. All right. No worries. E even if I did have legitimate info, the fact that it would change so much, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even know if there'd be a point in talking about it. All right. Um, well, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's coming up. It's coming up fast. Um, it, it's crazy. Yeah. Well, how about Gibson, the, the Big West Conference schedule? As I said, 20 games this year, that, that's four games more for the Big West than was previously the 16-game norm. Two teams coming in this year to add to that conference slate in uh, Cal State Bakersfield and UC San Diego. Now, because of COVID, those 20 games are going to be played on a back-to-back -back basis, doubling up at, at one site 
instead of a home and home, home and away with any given opponent. So you're going to have teams like UC Irvine, Long Beach State, UC Santa Barbara coming in here and you'll play them on back-to-back days at the Stamp Sheriff Center. Other teams like UC Davis, you're playing back-to-back at their place. How do you think that might that might go? Because it's, it's pretty radically different than anything uh, the Big West has done before. Yeah, very different, but um, exciting, I think. It, it's, uh, it reminds me of like the AAU days when you're playing those weekend tournaments, Friday, Saturday. Um, I think that our depth and the amount of guys that we have will definitely play into uh, favor us in the schedule just because – a team like you're no longer going to be able to play just a seven guy bench, you know, any team in the league, you can't, if you're playing those same seven guys on the second day, they're going to be worn out. They're going to be beat up. So uh, the teams with a lot of depth and talent in their rosters are going to be favored by that. And what was your reaction when I guess you, you got to see which teams would be coming here. Cause I mean, they're the same teams you battle with Irvine, Long Beach, Santa Barbara, which are, you know, probably three of the more marquee, big west opponents that that you guys have yeah i think it's awesome that we get to have them at home um i don't know how much of the whole home advantage even plays into this year just because fans won't be allowed in there we're gonna miss our fans in there and hopefully um you know in the near future maybe things can change if things get better um and we're able to have people in there that's part of the reason it makes the stand sheriff so exciting is the fact that it fits 10,500 people. So, um, yeah, it's just working through it. And uh, I don't know. It's crazy. What do you think that first, <laughs> whenever you guys get to play your first game at home, you know, running out the tunnel, uh, I, I'm assuming the band won't even be there. Uh, maybe they'll pipe in some music. I don't know. You know, they normally have the Hawaii Five O going. I mean, like, what, what do you think it's going to be like with, with just just an abyss in the stand, yeah. just just a sea of just empty seats. I was about to say it's going to be weird running out onto the court to uh, some music being played over speakers instead of a band playing and people walking around and you know pose being taken like that. Uh, it, it's 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 interesting though because even as I was watching like the bubble, the NBA bubble, it's kind of more of just a authentic hoop feel like 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 you woke up on a saturday morning to go play open gym or something you know like the the arena although it'll be missing fans and everything that makes the game very exciting it it also will be quiet now so you're going to hear every single call out you're going to hear what the other team's talking about on their bench you, it's it's a quiet gym so a lot of different factors play into that um and Either way, honestly, I, I love it. Like, I, I love when the crowd's there and it's uh, loud and, you know, you feed off that energy. But then now being quiet, you got to create your own energy and a team that's able to communicate well with each other and feed off of each other's energy rather than just the crowd. It'll be, uh, it'll be big. All right, Gibson. Well, as we said, I mean, this, this 2020 year has been a – you know, a strange year. And it, it really started back in the springtime, you know, when uh, the, the team's up there at the at the Honda Center in Anaheim preparing for its opening round game against UC Davis in the Big West tournament, right? Um, and then I guess the morning of everything, you know, everything goes sideways. And um, now I wanted to pose this question to you because I think you are uniquely uh, situated to 
have some perspective here because that year, last year's group played a full season like everyone else under the expectation that, all right, hey, we get you know a fair shot at postseason play and we can do what we can do in the Big West tournament and, and go from there. You, when you arrived at the University of Hawaii that year after, you know, all the NCAA tournament run that the team went on, uh, you came in with the knowledge that the program was under a postseason ban and would you would you and your teammates, Mike Thomas, Sharif Jermay, all those guys would have to play without the prospect of postseason play. You played a whole regular season uh, doing what you could do in the Big West regular season. Um, and then at the last minute, things were reversed and you got to go to the tournament, played Long Beach in the first round. Couldn't quite pull that out, but you had a chance. So my question for you, Gibson, is what do you think is the tougher circumstance under those two? Because they're almost like mirror images, funhouse mirror images of each other. Yeah. Uh, tougher circumstance for sure is this last year for the guys to have the tournament upended underneath them right before we play. That would just be heartbreaking. My heart goes out to Zigmars and Eddie, you know, our two seniors last year that, that that's their last go. And we were playing some good basketball going into it. So I, re I really felt for them. Um, my situation coming in, I knew that there was a chance that we could appeal it. I mean, everybody from the, the, the reason that those restrictions were put on our team, everyone from those restrictions are, are, were gone. So it's kind of everybody else paying for um, someone else's slip-ups. Uh, so I knew there was an opportunity to appeal. Did I know that it was going to happen? Obviously not, but I kind of just came in on a hope and then control what you can control after that. But, yeah, def definitely as far as difficulty goes to have it. And and everything was so uncertain. Like, it was literally announced the morning of the game. You know, like, we went to bed that night still thinking that we had a game. We had the practice before. Uh, it, it's crazy. I still remember that day like it was yesterday just because of how wild all the events were. Sure. Um, well, Gibbs, maybe you could take us back, that said, to that 2016-17 season as you guys are just progressing, you know, game by game. As you said, I mean, there was a hope that things could get appealed and reversed. But I guess the days are ticking down, you know, to the when you guys are supposed to play in the tournament, there's still no word. Had you, like, resigned yourself to the fact that, all right, I guess that that's it. I mean, nothing to be done here. Like, how, how did you stay, I guess, motivated in that circumstance? Honestly, I, I don't think anybody really ever gave up hope that we were not going to be playing. Um, the coaches had put in their appeals and were making their cases. Um, to both the league and the conference and they kept us motivated and positive as well like just their attitudes about uh going into the tournament they believed that we were going to make it i mean obviously they couldn't confirm to us but uh, i think it was a, a, a optimistic mindset and that's what kind of kept us motivated we just figured that uh you know we would have a chance and I, I see this uh, subject is upsetting Kai. He's, yeah, he's, he's uh, yeah, upset does. on your behalf. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, well, Gibson, I mean, your your journey, your journey to the University of Hawaii to play college basketball um, is, it's, you know, fairly special and unique to you. I mean, it kind of underscores the fact that there's no, like, one way or right way to, to become a Division One 
college basketball player, right? I mean, in, in a nutshell, you know, you, you played ball there at uh, is it Viewmont High School, right, over there in Centerville, uh, Utah, yeah, yeah, your hometown. Yeah, Viewmont High School. You, you, were, you were a basketball player and a golfer, and I think, uh, I think you told me this previously. I mean, you were, like, a better golfer than a basketball player at the time, right? You were pretty good at on those greens. And, yeah. Um, what kind of yeah. happened from there, man? Well, uh, like you said, as far as golf was concerned, my dad was a professional golfer. He was at one time ranked number one in the state of Utah. So I was always like, that's what I wanted to do. I mean, I loved the game of basketball more, but I also wanted to be just like my dad. So being able to uh, grow up golfing was always fun. But um, this, my story, being becoming a college basketball player is crazy because literally nobody thought that it would happen. Um, when I got back from my mission in Brazil, um, I was just playing basketball wherever I could, uh, just like I always had. And then one day I got invited to go play this open gym run at the rec center with a couple of um, college guys and current European pros. And um, after that morning, some of the coaches that were in there, or some of the guys in there playing were like grad assistants at the University of Utah. And when they found out that I was a freshman, I w they came over and we, we started talking and uh, I got invited to go to one of their practices. And from there, it kind of just took off. Like I, I went to the practices, I started walking, watching practices and doing like post-workout or post-practice workouts with Kyle Kuzma, who also wasn't playing at the time. And uh the coach, Chris Burgess, who's at uh, BYU right now, mm -hmm. he was the grad assistant at Utah at the time that was the one bringing me in. And he got hired at Slick that summer. The Slick, my uh, community college. Salt Lake Community College, yeah. yeah. Uh, he got hired there that summer, and he was like, you know, you can walk on at the University of Utah, but you probably won't play. And you can walk on at Salt Lake Community College, and maybe you have an opportunity at playing. I mean, I, I, I didn't know how good I was. I don't think anybody really knew how good I was. I think they were just happy to have me on the team and thought that I would bring something. And then that summer, when I came in, the coach sat me down after one workout for literally an hour and a half. He sat me down. And he was like, listen, you're, you're not going to play on this team, but we'll be happy to have you. Uh, I think you bring a good work ethic. And then a month and a half later, I was a starter with the scholarship. And it kind of just took off from there. How do you think that happened? I mean, was it was it a matter of just kind of battling your way through and, and practices and proving yourself? Well, I, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, he, he not being able to see me play for an extensive amount of time, he, he just kind of took a shot on me. And I'm forever grateful for, to Todd Phillips, who's currently at Utah Valley. Uh, he was my head coach at Salt Lake Community College. I'm forever grateful to him because he's really the one that uh, he could have, you know, bought into the fact that I was older and that I was a walk-on. But he, he gave me a fair shot at, at uh, playing. And when I when practices started, I was just determined to prove that I was good enough, that I deserved to be there. And, uh, yeah, by, by the first game. Well, Gibson, part of that underdog role for you was that you you were kind of a late bloomer in terms of your height, right? I mean, you 
you grew to be six eight. I think in high school, maybe you you sprouted from like I read I went back and read one of the, the things I wrote on you, like five eleven to six four, like your junior year, a couple more inches of height as a senior, and then out of high school, like by, when you're on your mission, a couple more by the time you came back. Um, yeah. So I mean, you you were never like the like the thickest guy out there. You were still kind of lean, but um, you were you came back like a different guy than than before you left, right, to the mission. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I graduated high school at six six. I came back from Brazil at six eight, and rather than being a, a six six hundred and ninety pound kid, I was a six eight two hundred and ten pound kid. With you know, I mean, it was I was a grown man now, so. I, I was finally able to, uh, you know, throw my weight around. I always had the, the skill and stuff like that, but it definitely helped being a late bloomer or being able to play later on. So. And, I mean, did that kind of inform your playing style too? Because if, you know, I'm sure a lot of the local fans remember, you know, you were battling bigger guys, like, almost nightly because you were, like, the, the center, the, the in-man and that four-out-one in offense. And, um you know, had to use your craftiness and your quickness to get around some of these like seven footers on, on occasion. Um, what, I guess, uh, how did that really kind of come to be part of your identity? You think? Um, you know what? I, I didn't really ever play in the post. Um, when I got to slick, there were two seven footers on the team and uh, I was battling against them every single day. And, you know, after we would play one-on-one and stuff like that. And I really just got used to taking bigger guys down in the post over those two years while I was there. I mean, once I was given a shot, I obsessed over my my chance. So I was in the gym all the time. I was getting shots up. I was playing guys in one-on-one, whoever would stay and play. Um, just working on my game, trying to get a shot at a Division One scholarship. And you parlayed that old man game into one. Um, and I, I believe by the time you were done, uh, I, I saw this today, you finished like ninth all time in field goal percentage at the University of Hawaii, like uh, 52.4% for your, for your two, two year career. Nothing to sneeze at right there. So yeah. um, it wasn't to be that you got to like really play on a, a postseason type of situation uh, beyond the Big West tournament at Hawaii, but you know you're still you came back within. Uh, I guess, gosh, you you were gone just what a year, Gibson? Uh, was it a year, two years? Yeah, just one year, and then I I I uh, back for that first year of my GA ship. So right. Um, so I mean, you know, who knows what can happen this year or beyond? What made you do you think want to get into coaching so soon after you know your playing career out here was done? I mean, were there opportunities to go play in Europe or or other locations had you had you pursued them? Yeah, so I had a, a agent hired, and we we were exploring some contracts in a couple different areas, uh, kind of analyzing the pay and everything. And with my older age, I just figured, you know, I could go over there and play really well, and then come back at thirty two or thirty three and be in the same situation I am right now. As far as you know, career moving forward, I wanted to start a family. As you can hear from the crying baby in the back, <laughs> um, so I, I had I had a lot of goals. I always wanted to play professional basketball, but uh, I think I, at the time I just decided, you know, that although it would be awesome, it probably 
was best for me to just start exploring other options. At that time, um, I was given a, uh, an assistant coach job at, uh, at Salt Lake Community College. So I was able to really be around the game right away. And that's, that's truly why I got into uh, coaching is just because, you know, not everybody in life gets to do what they love. And if I was given an opportunity to be around the game of basketball, which I love every single day for the rest of my life, then I would take it in a heartbeat. And uh, I loved that year of coaching at Salt Lake. And then when uh, Garrett Jackson went to the Spurs and this position opened up out, out here, I started hounding Coach Gannott about it, you know, showing my interest. And uh, luckily, and I'm super grateful for it, but he gave me my opportunity and I've loved it out here. Can you uh can you explain to us like kind of what your roles and responsibilities are? I actually jotted down a few. I'll I'll read them off real quick and you can tell me if this is kind of what you're still doing. Yeah. Uh nutrition and alumni coordinator. Uh you also assist with um, team video, academics, strength and conditioning, scouting, player development and practice preparation. Does that does that about sum it up or am I am I Man, missing anything? You got, you got the inside scoop, huh? You got like access to our uh, Google slides or something. That's <laughs> Ads in the media guide. Oh, okay, okay. I was about to say, dang, you got a my sourcing paper. runs deep. I checked yeah. the media guide. <laughs> yes, that that hits it right on the head of what I've been doing uh this last year I was helping with like media as well, you know, trying to get uh, more fans of the student section and stuff like that. But really, uh, grad, grad assistant just is jack of all trades, and it's the bottom of the totem pole. So whatever you're asked to do, you do. Um, I'm just trying to make the coaches' jobs easier and their lives easier so that they can focus on basketball. Uh, everything else surrounding that, I try to do my best to you know go smooth. And I have two other guys, Dominic Jury and – uh, Jackson Redquist who helped me out with that and they're they're awesome so well uh you as you said Gibson you you started kind of at the, the the bottom of the rung on the totem pole I mean there's nowhere to go but up from there in, in the business so um is, I mean is that the goal you know your 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 dream right now to to climb that climb that ladder uh rung by rung and you know become say a director of ops or then an assistant coach or like uh, you know division one full coach someday yeah absolutely that that's definitely the goal i i love what i'm doing here every single day i love uh, going into battle with the guys and i've always been an extreme competitor like every everything that i do outside of basketball i'm still like i get home play games with my wife like we just compete a lot and to be able to do that for my job and compete every single day in basketball would just be a dream come true I def definitely would love to become assistant coach and then uh, eventually a head coach. So. Well, at some point during this conversation, Gibson, you alluded to, to you know, being like one of the oldest guys around as, as you were playing. Um, I think your senior year, you were the second oldest player in, in Division One college basketball going on like your 26th birthday, yeah. um, which I think you hit in the season, right? Kind of like late in the season, February yeah. or something like that? Yeah, my senior year, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, you know, I, I know you embraced it at the time. Uh, in retrospect, what, what was that kind of like, like for you, to, you know, just to have that, you know, years on pretty much everyone you were going against and playing with? 
Yeah, you know, it really only really only thought about it when we rewatched the game on ESPN, and that's all they could talk about. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, every game, right? Yeah, like I, they they had on their notes. You know, that was one of the things that was brought up on their notes. So it was something that was said, and you know, it it was it it got old. But I, I honestly, I was gonna tell you like that the old man swag term that you coined i i would like that one that was that was one that would kind of help me get through it because i was like oh i could roll with that well man so <laughs> none of the guys really cared you know obviously it was weird at the start that i was a little older but once they once we got to know each other like it was it was no different so uh yeah the age gap was it was an interesting thing to go through but at the end of the day i don't think it really made a difference and in retrospect looking back on it i mean it is what it is it you know and in retrospect it wasn't even that dramatic a gap in you know at this point because I was watching um, a college college football game the other day and I think it was uh New Mexico who Hawaii just played in, in football had a, a kicker from Australia or, or one of, it was one of their position uh, specialty specialists was like 28 29 years old yeah. so you know there, there there's more extreme examples than than, than what you had going on for sure no, yeah it, it happens i think that i was the second oldest and the oldest was a 27 year old freshman at sam houston state so i was like man if i'm if i'm hearing about it right now my senior year he's gonna be getting that his entire career over there well hey gibson one of the, one of the duties that you have now as part of your your player development assistance and practice prep and all that i mean one thing that the graduate manager position has for it is you can actually step on the court, right, and 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 uh, you know bang against these guys and practice. I'm sure you're working with the post players there. Uh, first off, last year when there were the three seven footers on the team in, in Mate Cholina, uh, Owen Holland, and um, sorry, Dawson Carver. Dawson Carver, thank you, uh, the <laughs> the one who started. Um, you know what was that like for you going against the uh, the seven footers every day in practice? Um, it was fun. It's, it, it's a fun challenge to go in and just, uh, focus on the things that each guy needs to work on. You know, obviously, um, coach Montgomery, John Montgomery is the, the biggest coach and he, he does a great job with them. And I was just, you know, analyzing everything, trying to kind of in his ear as well as to some things that they could do better and, uh, it it was just it was, a, it was a lot of fun working with those guys. A, a guy, the guy who's still with us, Mate, he he's worked very hard on improving his game, and um, he's somebody who I've worked with a lot over the years, even as a player when he got here in, in my senior year. And uh, so it, it's it, it's been fun. It's challenging for sure, um, especially when you don't have a whole lot of diversity at the position, right? Like. We, Last year with three seven-footers, uh, it's awesome to have that size, but it also brings, like, some challenges with it. And now with the kind of diversity in the big that we have with James Jean Marie and Bernardo Silva and Mate coming back, uh, it, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Well, that was my next question for you. You know, the, the, kind of the makeup of this front court that you're helping uh, prepare for this coming year, I mean, you mentioned uh, James Jean Marie, the transfer from San Diego. Kazdan Jardine, I don't know how much pure post he might be doing, or, or maybe not at all. He's six seven out of uh, Utah Valley. 
Um, and I was my follow up for him was, is that a guy that was on your radar because he was playing in Utah and the school that your brother played at, right, uh, McKay? Um, and then, of course, you mentioned Mate and, and Bernardo, who is my understanding is he's added maybe like 20 pounds to his frame from last year. So um, yeah. how, how are you liking that mix of guys right now? Um, I think it's a really talented group. Um, as far as Kazan's concerned, he, he's like a, a family friend. He's played basketball with both my brothers now at Utah Valley. I mean, he, he would go over to my house for Sunday games and stuff like Sunday game night. So uh, it was awesome to get him out here. He's, he's been a really big boost for the team. He definitely has some post game to him as well. He's a, he's a great shooter, but uh, he's pretty versatile in what he can do on offense. As far as Bernardo, Bernardo's come a long way too. He he worked really hard in the off season to, uh, like you said, put on those pounds, and uh, you know he's kind of preparing himself to be for more longevity and also you know just what it takes to be a big. Is this um, this is just like my observation on paper because I obviously have not seen the guys yet, which is you know something that I have not been used to. I've, I've always been kind of able to you know get get eyes on these guys as they're going through practices and have some idea of what the team's working with by the time they, they tip off that opener. So on paper, it gives it, it looks like, I mean, this is a, a much more mobile group. Is that, is that fair to say uh, among the bigs? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, Mate is probably the most mobile seven footer out there considering the fact that he runs a five minute flat mile, like, I don't know any any other seven footer in the world that does that, but he like we are very mobile, Jane, and we're moving somewhat towards a more positionless basketball. You know, mm-hmm. uh, there's going to be guys that are going to be called on to play different roles this year and different positions, and uh, you know they get really got to lock in in these practices to know their roles and know what other positions are doing in order to be successful, like. I think the only people that don't need to worry about playing the four are Bernardo and Mate right now, but every single one of our guys can play several roles right now. So, Gotcha. And going back to Kazdan for a second, how, how alike or dissimilar, I mean, you mentioned he's a pretty good, good shooter. Would you say his game is to your game? Um, you know, the funny thing is, is like uh, all my family before I even had even met him, but you know, he was hanging out with them, even like, Basketball-wise, but also personality-wise, they always were talking about how much they he reminded uh, them of me. And so I was like, all right, well, I got to see what this guy's about. Um, but he, he, he's very versatile. He's a very skilled player. He can, he can take you in the post. He can spot up three. He's a great three-point shooter, um, smart player, great passer. So uh, a lot of good things to say about Kaz. Uh, one day we'll get on the court and play some good one-on-ones, and then I'll be able to say who, who's the better of the two. <laughs> Got it, man. And <laughs> uh, just a couple more, and, and I'll let you go, Gibson. Um, you know, I, I wanted to ask you about what your your personal uh, high and low from your playing days at UH might have been. I mean, your last career game, I think, was arguably your best your best game individually as a player. You had 23, you shot 8 for 10, and that was against – UC Irvine, who has that, you know, annually just that that huge front line. Um, so I don't know where that where that ranks in that pantheon for you, but what comes to mind is some of the highs and lows maybe at the Polar Rams that you experienced. Man, um, 
It's a good question. Lowe's, I'll start with low because then we can end on the high, but low was probably just at the start when we had so many new people and we were getting it down, we didn't have the best like team confidence. And there was a couple games in there specifically. I remember the uh, Southern Illinois game and the UC Irvine game at their place. Those were like two, the two worst losses in my career. And it was, they were tough, man. It was, I, I hate to lose. I'm a fierce competitor as I already mentioned. And, it was it was hard to lose those type of games, um, but you know that losing is a part of getting better. Not everybody you're not going to win every single game, and uh, we definitely used those as learning points, which was good because we got progressively better as the season went on. And then uh, you know some high points, pro- probably beating Irvine. <laughs> losing to Irvine is low points. Beating Irvine is the high points. I mean. I always loved going against their bigs because they always got so much recognition in the conference, and I felt like I played really well against them. Um, but truly the high points are just like the the uh, relationships that I built while I was here, you know, the guys that I was able to play with, watching their careers move forward and what they've been doing and just being able to keep in touch. Um, you know, being able to play the sport is a huge blessing. And I was super grateful for my opportunity and I was soaking it all in. Like you said, on that last UC Irvine game, uh, I was going to give it everything I got because I knew that there was a chance that that was the last time I was playing uh, high level organized basketball. So yeah, there was even, it was like the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. We were down two with like, 17 seconds left and I got that and one to put us up one and I thought I had just won the game going against Irvine and then Max has hits that jumper on the other side and we weren't able to win it but uh, what is it the the agony of defeat and the thrill of victory all in one so yeah yeah no I mean it was a it was a thriller that that's that's for sure um stunning to see from from my vantage point on press row definitely um, but things things go on, and uh, as you said, Gibson. I mean, you're always been a very fierce competitor. I think that's what propelled you through a lot of your career to get from that high school stage to your mission through junior college, winning a national championship there to to where you ended up here. And um, my my I guess my last real question for you is, as you mentioned, you were kind of written off at at various points there. Had you ever written yourself off? at any of those moments? Um, you know, I had never written myself off. I was starting to doubt if I was ever going to get an opportunity um, to do it. I, I knew what I could do. I, I mean, the people that I would play with, like I was always playing pickup ball with um, guys that went to the University of Utah and that were actively playing. And I was just like, man, I, I feel like I can play with these guys but I had never really been given an opportunity. So I didn't want to be just one of those, you know, guys at the gym that have no bang to their buck and they're just in there talking all this crap with nothing to go behind it. But, uh, yeah, I was, I was bummed, honestly, because I was like, I think, I don't think I'm going to get another shot. And then just randomly I wake up early morning Saturday to go play and the coach is there and, 
it just rolled from there. I mean, even when it happened, I didn't know what was going to come from it, but I knew that I had finally put my foot in the door somewhere and uh, I was going to make the most of it and being able to go to Salt Lake Community College was just a massive blessing as well because they're one of the most high-regarded junior colleges in the nation and uh, to play on such a special team like that winning a national championship, it's, it's, a, it's a dream come true. Well, Gibson, how's the golf game these days? I know you were too handicapped at one point. Where, where's that? It, where's it now? It could be better. It definitely could be better. I haven't haven't been able to play a whole lot of golf lately. Um, yeah, you're a dad now. I don't know how much free time you're working with. I can't imagine that uh, I'll be able to play a whole lot of golf um, in the future either, unless you know there's another big break or anything like that. But golf game golf game can uh, relax for a couple of years. We'll keep it in the bag, and then once once we have a lot of free time down the line, then we'll definitely get that out on the course a lot. All right. And, and lastly, Gibson Johnson, um, you know, we talked about there being no fans in the stands, at least for the start of the season. We'll see what happens as it progresses. But uh, what's something people should look forward to this season in your mind? Should look forward to a team that's going to compete for a Big West championship, for sure. Uh, this is a team that can do it. I think even the way the schedule's set up, with our back-to-back games plays in our favor due to the fact that we're so deep and we have a lot of new guys, but we have a lot of skilled guys that are going to be really good for the program for a long time. They're going to want to clue in on uh, just how different it's going to be, you know, with watching the game and uh, it, it'll be a whole new vibe, but uh, this team's going to be a lot of fun to watch. We're going to, uh, compete at a high level and we have a uh, what it takes no doubt all right well gibson johnson thank you so much for uh giving a little time on your on your day off good luck with the rest of the practices leading up to that season that's just around the corner thanks brian appreciate it